Hey everyone, before we get into the show today, um, going through the show, I realized that we talked about a couple of really deep and sensitive topics. And so I just wanted to give you a heads up, a trigger warning, if you will, that we get into things like anxiety, depression, um, miscarriages, losing children and stillbirth, and a couple of other really tough topics throughout this uh, episode today. And if you're not in a headspace to go there with us, feel free to skip this one. Um, We'll miss you, of course, but we'll be back tomorrow. So there's your permission to move on if this isn't for you. Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. All right, welcome to episode 22 of the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm Nathan Berry. I'm joined this by guy. Barrett Brooks. Just say hi. That's right. Today we're talking about dealing with anxiety. So uh, permission to not be on your A game during challenging times, um, which is very topically relevant. But one of the things that we'll talk about today, we'll just go ahead and demonstrate right now under the uh, emotional awareness category and, and checking in. Just say, Barrett, red, yellow, green. How are you? I think if I'm being on, I want to be green, but if I'm being honest, I think I'm yellow today. Yeah. Uh, Wednesdays, someday I'll just stop saying this because people will have been listening for so long. They'll be like, yeah, we know it's meeting day. We get it. Anyways, it's meeting day. <laughs> and um, the sky is gray for the first time in like a week. And so, you know, just kind of a little bit more of a mellow day. There's not much more to it than that. Uh, yeah, I didn't sleep super well last night. And, um, Having all my calendar time booked means I got to like be tuned in, but I am ready to be tuned in because you know what? Our listeners deserve that. How are you doing, Nathan? I was going to say, is this where you go off on some, like, I just didn't know if this was going to be like a a two second tangent or (laughs) like, there's no way to know, but, uh, I would say, um, yellow as well. There's some things I'm working on that are super exciting and that has me green. And then like, they're just hard, complicated problems. And I'm like, okay, is this solving it the right way? Did I communicate that the best way? You know, and, and so just a little bit yellow. Um, also just a busy day. Lots going on, but it's good. All right. We're talking about challenging times, all of that. Let's let's do our check-in on numbers, state of the world, and all of that. Because yeah. there's like a little bit of hope in some of this. Um, Barrett, I totally already dropped in the mm. chat. Hey, how's everyone doing? Well, so... <laughs> I'm just you might think of that of first one in the chat, ConvertKit Nathan, and the second one, ConvertKit Barrett, asking the same question. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so a little check-in, because um, I feel like we're in a, not a turning point. We're in what might feel like a turning point in all of this, uh, all of this being the pandemic. And it's just worth talking about for a second of where we're at and why it's probably not actually a turning point. So I guess I'll pull up some numbers. Uh, overall, we're over 2 million confirmed cases globally, 615,000 in the US. But there's something that I thought was interesting as I pulled up, uh, there's a site called world, worldmeters.info slash coronavirus. And they have a really good daily case count number. And it's been interesting to see the daily numbers start to level off and even decline a little bit. And that's good to see because, you know, it shows that, Hey, the stuff that we're doing, the social distancing, all of that is, uh, 
is working, right? We're starting to get a little sign of it. It's, it, you don't, it doesn't work right away. It like, you start to get the results uh, a couple weeks later and it's like, Hey, maybe society actually came together and we're going to do something with this. I think kind of the downside of it is everything that's coming out now saying that you, you can't go back to life as normal in May. You can't go back, you know, in June, like this is going to be some version of it is going to be around for 18 months. And, uh, I think we both intellectually knew that. And, uh, there's also kind of this emotional side of it as well. And so it's worth checking in on and realizing that there's going to be some grief with that of there's a lot more things, not just craft and commerce that's getting canceled, but there might yeah, be a lot more. Yeah. It's not, even you know, going potentially not just spring break, but maybe summer vacation. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're starting to have conversations internally about what to do with our team retreat in September. And we don't have to make that decision now, but eventually we will. And so there's a lot there because, you know, you, at the, at the beginning, it's like, okay, we're running a marathon. Um, I need to treat this like a marathon. That's right. after you get past embracing that that's true. I think some people maybe aren't even embracing that. And now we're kind of at that point where it like starts to hurt a little bit. Obviously it's already hurting a lot for a lot of people. And so I don't mean it in that way. I mean more mm-hmm. that the longer you are in a state of some form of isolation, the harder it is. And there's especially a dip in the middle. Cause I think eventually you adjust to the new normal. And we're now at that point, I think of kind of like rejecting it no, I don't like this. I don't want this in my life anymore. And we see signs of that. My wife was sharing something like an Instagram post. I don't know where she found it, but it was a post of three women who decided they were going to go to Target and and stick it to the man together. And they went to Target and they posted about it. And then they got a bunch of grief for like being selfish. And this one woman says something along the lines Mm -hmm. of, well, I've learned that it takes courage to stand up for what you believe in. And when I came out as an anti-vaxxer, I learned that it took courage. And when I did this, I learned that it took courage. And when I, uh, when I knew that the government did not have a place in my life during this pandemic and I was not going to let them keep me down, I knew it might be the same kind of situation. It was like, okay, all right. Well, we come from different belief systems, I think. Um, <laughs> so the point being, <laughs> we're still in it. We're still very much in it. Things are improving. But the, the wrong takeaway would be, we should have never been so harsh. This wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. You know, the right takeaway is, oh, look, right. we did it. It's working. We should keep doing it so that it keeps working and so that people stay safe. And I think that's kind of where right. we are right now. And that, as a transition, can bring on new kinds of anxiety of like, wait, so how long am I going to be like this? And when I'm done with all of my yard projects, what am I going to do with my time? Or like, you know, whatever your version of that is. <laughs> right. Oh man, I'm just imagining everyone with the most immaculate lawns, like everything, you know, going out, honey, I'm going to go mow the lawn. <laughs> you mowed it literally yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's, it's growing, okay? It was sunny, could have happened. So there's another level of anxiety uh, that that's going to bring on that I'm already noticing in myself of a new set of decisions to make, right? Of if you had one level, you're like, okay, this is how we can operate as a family, as a household, as a company for a certain amount of time, for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. You've got to realize there's going to be a new set of decisions to make when you go into it and say, okay, is it continuing the exact same way? Are there other things um, that are going to happen. Maybe it was easy to have the kids stay at home and, and not be playing out in the neighborhood with all the other kids for four weeks. But you're like, look, I can I do that for six months? I, d- I don't know. 
And that's just going to bring in uh, new decisions, new anxiety. And so the first thing as we talk about dealing with anxiety um, that I want to dive into is awareness. This is something where I, I feel like maybe the last three or four years have been a lot of progress for me, just in emotional awareness and that being the very first step of like acknowledging where you're at. And we use a few tools for this. Some of them we've talked about before. The first is red, yellow, green. So that in this setting, I can just put a score, a, a label, something to how I'm feeling and then sit for a second and go, okay, and why is that? And that's a little bit of awareness. The next that we talked about mm-hmm. is like, where in your body do you feel it? Because that's that question that forces you to sit with it for a second. Where in my body? I don't know. No, of course. Like, that's not a thing. But then like weirdly today, I'm like, I feel it in my neck. Like the anxiety, you know, like, okay, so why is that? And I can dig into it and I can start to unpack what exactly am I feeling? Why might I be feeling it? And then kind of that last simple step in the, in the awareness side of things is just naming it. Like I feel anxious. I feel uncertain. I feel, uh, you know, all these other things, stressed, um, angry. I think there's some emotions that are okay. This might be interesting. If you were to categorize emotions into the ones that are okay to feel and the ones that aren't okay to feel. Right, right, right. And this is like self-talk, not what's actually okay to feel. You know, stressed, anxious, things like that. I would always put into like, that's okay to feel. That's just part of life. You know, but anger, grief, some of these other ones, you're like, oh, I shouldn't feel that. You're like trying to justify maybe your way out of feeling it. And I think that first step is just going in on the awareness side and saying, no judgment about what I'm feeling or why, but just trying to, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, totally. I think, um, I don't know when I first became aware of the body question, but I know that both my counselor and my coach asked me the same question. And so that's telling me something, um, that it's a valuable thing to notice. <laughs> and I think it's because you can, it, there's a sense of like gritting through something, just kind of like biting my teeth down and just getting through <laughs> it. And for me, at least that was my like kind of juvenile approach or adolescent kind of approach to dealing with emotions. Um, Noticing that I do feel it in my body is actually the first step for me knowing that I'm, I'm feeling an emotion that I haven't acknowledged because I'm very physical in how I experience emotions. And um, when I can notice it in my body, then I can sometimes say, I have the hardest time saying out loud the, the things I couch as negative emotions, the kinds that I should not feel, not just negative, but like I, those aren't, mm-hmm. those are bad emotions, negative emotions. We put away those stay over here. I am a positive person. I do not <laughs> yeah. feel negative emotions. And the reality is like, that is not true. And that's not what I want my son to grow up believing either. You know, I want my son to grow up believing there are a range of emotions. They are neither good nor bad. They just exist. And the best thing we can do is say, oh, wow, you know, that conversation right there, I'm feeling angry. And I am amazed by Mm -hmm. just saying it out loud, just saying, I am angry, how much that lets it go. It releases so much of that body tension because it's no longer like, oh, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And now it's like, okay, now we are on the same page. You know, I'm angry. I know I'm angry. Now let's move on to the next step, which is why am I angry or why am I anxious and really growing that understanding. So step one is become aware, acknowledge that you're feeling something in this case, anxiety. Step two is understand why. 
Yeah. And on that understanding side, the first thing is realizing that you can ask questions of yourself. And sometimes I would do this. Like I, I'll even put it in sometimes into a specific person where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling angry. And then I can like, I can imagine my counselor sitting across from me going, okay, well, why is that? You know, I'm like, okay, well, I don't need the, the counselor in that moment to do it. I can ask myself that question. And then I can like answer for myself and go, okay, well, here's why here's, here's, uh, what's bothering me. You know, this is, I can dive into it more and then start to ask a few more of those things and start to unpack what's going on and what's driving it. A time in my life when I like dealt with depression the most and all of that is because when I finally unpacked it was because I found that a lot of my self-worth came from what I created. Like I valued myself based on my output at the end of the day, at the end of the week, end of the year or whatever. And I would project that from other people, right? I would, I would get praise from people for the book that I published, the whatever thing and fuel that into my self-worth. And then I would take that and channel it into more creative output and go from there, which ended up being a really powerful cycle. Uh, but it could be just, turns out if it's really powerful on the way up, it could be just as powerful on the way back down of realizing on that flip side, if you have an unproductive day, then in you, your self-worth comes from what you create, then you can, uh, you can start to go that other direction and go like, well, you couldn't get anything done because you're not worth anything. And, you know, and, and then go down and down and create less and right. less and then slip into that place. So there's all these questions. That's the first one that I start to ask is like, just try to uncover layers of what drives it and, and try to understand, okay, is this like an outside uh, thing that, you know, something just happened and that will pass by, or did it like trigger something deeper in me related to self-worth yeah. and my beliefs about myself? Yeah. And for that? me, when it comes to anxiety in particular, it is something like anticipated future scenarios that I don't want to be true. And, uh, one of the ways this has showed up for me, um, I guess this would be like probably a form of, of depression or, or just deep, deep anxiety that I experienced when I was running, uh, my first company and things were just like, I wasn't making money. We were living on my wife's salary and that was it. Right. And it came out for me as hypo hypochondriacism, whatever, whatever the is, ism version is of being a hypochondriac. Yep. I was convinced that I was dying of about 12 different diseases. And that was an externalization of internal feelings about a lot of things. I think that was almost a way of making fear concrete. It was, I had fears about maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I'm never going to make money again. Maybe this business isn't going to work. Maybe I'm never going to be able to get a job again, but those I wasn't verbalizing. And so the way it came out was like, wait, is, is something wrong with mm -hmm. me? Do I have like, is that something in my throat? Uh, did, did I have chills last night? Do I have like, and I, I literally, I went down this path and the only way I finally got out of it was getting to what was true. And I had to find reliable partners who I trusted to help me understand what was true. And the difference between what is true, there's two ends that you can go to. If you're delusional, it can be, what do I want to be true that isn't actually true? And if you're anxious, it can be, what do I, what is true versus what am I scared might be true? And what I often find is anxiety mm -hmm. comes from a place of what am I scared could be true later that probably isn't true right now because there's a million different outcomes. And so for me, finding sources of truth, uh, I got out of that early, that like deep, deep state of anxiety by finding a doctor I trusted who would go with me to the place I was at mm -hmm. and then say, okay, so I don't think those things are true, 
but let's act as if they might be and let's get some answers. And so that was kind of step one was like, we define truth together. We got all the facts. Here's all your blood work. Here's all your, and I'm using that example just because it was a personal one. And so that started me on this path where I learned, okay, so what actually happened was I was anxious about business, work, life, marriage, something else. And I translated that to medical fears. So now what I know is I can actually shortcut that. If I feel myself getting into that medical fears thing, number one, I have a rule. I am not allowed Mm -hmm. to Google anything related to medical, period. I can only ask my doctor. That is my rule and I operate by it. I do not Google medical anything. So that cuts it off. It doesn't get worse. And then I say, all right, that is actually an outpouring Mm -hmm. of me not acknowledging something I'm feeling. So let me go back a step and say, what am I scared of right now? What am I scared might be true in the future that I don't want to be true in the future? And that has been a really powerful question for me to be able to get actually back to the emotion it's rooted in. Because there's some emotion rooted in that point in your body where you're feeling it. And so that's where the understanding for me comes from and unpacking that. Because the power is like, oh, you're angry? Let's talk about it. Yeah. And and that's really that next step um, that we have after understanding is sitting with it. And this is probably the hardest one for me because I think it should be like, you know, awareness, (laughs) understanding, solving. Like those, those should be the steps. (laughs) And what it actually is, is like, just pause. The example I always think of is like, if you curl up your toes, you can get your, like, I can get my foot to cramp up. You know, it's like this uncomfortable position and it happens sometimes and you're like, oh God, like, let me stop that right away. You know, cause it's painful, but it's like a little bit painful and pain isn't necessarily bad. You shouldn't like, not all pain is the version that tells you like, okay, don't touch the hot stove and you pull your hand away. Some pain is, is actually telling you something and you can sit with it. And so when you're realizing and uncovering something, you realize that like, you know, maybe I start to dig a little deeper and dig into this understanding and I realize, oh, it's this painful thing. And like, let me pull away from that. Instead, leaning in and going, okay, what makes it painful? Why is that? Can I tolerate that? Can I sit with it? And then try to unpack those layers. So for example, uh, about a year ago, we, uh, Hillary and I lost a baby uh, just after three months into the pregnancy. And that was very, like very difficult but I mm. kept assigning other emotions to it of either taking, you know, I needed to take care of Hillary. I needed to take care of the family. I was stressed maybe about work or things like that. And really when I unpacked it, it was just grief and like going down and taking that time to actually just grieve. And I did it through largely through journaling. And one thing that I realized um, through the help of my counselor is that I was grieving mm. a whole bunch of things that weren't going to happen. You know, and so in that case, taking the time to write down, and I, I wrote down a bunch of memories and like memories that I were no, like were no longer going to happen. And I was grieving the loss of those memories, not actually becoming a real thing and just taking that time uh, to sit with it. And it was so powerful for me of like unpacking mm-hmm. that and then just. Yeah. And I think the sitting with it stage, a lot of it is just about processing. And I know for me, Processing out mm-hmm. loud with safe people is really important for me. You know, a journal is wonderful because it's always safe. That's what I love about it is it can help me get clear mm-hmm. about what I'm processing, how I'm processing, what I, you know, the follow on emotions to something. But then 
having a counselor, having a coach, having a group of friends, um, or even colleagues sometimes, uh, sometimes we have these conversations at work at ConvertKit at least, that's next for me. I've got to have someone else sit with me in it. And I don't need them to carry my burden. I just need to know that other people know what I'm going through. And um, one of the things that I've, I've heard, I have not had, I'm really lucky in that I'm the, my losses of people in my life have been limited to a couple of grandparents and a friend in high school, basically. And so I have not had to go through that deep, deep grief driven by loss. But what I've heard from people who have gone through that is that just being asked directly about it is actually really comforting. How are you doing with having lost your mm-hmm. son or your, you know, we have a, a mutual friend who lost a son in a stillbirth and what they wanted more than anything was just to be able to talk about it. And what they felt like was they were mm-hmm. walking on eggshells instead of, you know, other people were too, but then that made mm-hmm. them walk yeah. on eggshells instead of just being able to be like, I'm f- freaking sad, you know? Um, so anyways, sitting with people, I think can be a really really powerful way to feel supported during that stage. Yeah. And then I think there is this stage of we're we're not going to stay there forever, right? We're not going to let the world close in around us. We're not going to just sit there. We're not going to uh, just completely stop. We, We do have people to care for. We do have responsibilities and we do have this need to push through it. And so making sure that you spend enough time at each stage and then realizing that Okay, we're going to we're going to push through it. Realize, like one of my favorite books is, uh, and I'll just make him my creator of the day and, and all that. Uh, is Ryan Holiday's "The Obstacle Is the Way," because I kept going, like encountering something, and going, "Oh, that's painful. Let's avoid that. Let's box that up. Let's set that aside, and let's let's go around it." And in the book, he just talks about like the only way out is through. And like pushing through it and under, understanding that and uh, having it be something that, you know, you always, you always carry with you. And, and uh, you know, another thing that I do is because I know something about myself that a lot of my self-worth comes from what I create. Kind of that next step after acknowledging the only way out is through, one of the next steps for me is lowering the bar and saying today will be a success if I write two sentences towards the thing that I'm trying to create. If I, you know, finish this one design, spend 30 minutes doing a design project or something like that. And, uh, you know, cause you don't want to fall into the cycle of coming out of dealing with this anxiety or grief or depression or whatever it is. And then like thinking that you're going to come right back at the level you were at before and, uh, you know, try to hit this high bar and then, you know, yeah. And I think for us, back uh, you know, during this time, even this podcast was that on some level it kind of lowered the bar where Mm -hmm. we just have to show up and we have enough collective knowledge about the creative journey and about how to build businesses like these that we just said, okay, we can show up every day for 30 minutes. And it's created this source of stability where the bar is always met every day. I mean, on some level, we're meeting the bar every day by showing up and then everything else is a win. For sure. Uh, From there, two things that I'd like to do are um, first spending time on things that bring me joy. And so, you know, y'all have heard me talk about getting out in the yard, doing yard work, spending time with my son, reading books, writing just on personal projects. Uh, the reason I've been doing those is it's just a, a channel. You know, it's a way for me to experience little moments of just gratitude, joy, 
to remove myself from that like flow of anxiety that's happening. And so doing things that bring me joy is a, a big outlet for me. But the second and way more important one that I learned through through my whole process of just growing to understand how I process anxiety is taking control over the habits I have control over. And that always comes back to sleep, diet, mm -hmm. and exercise. I know that if I'm in a period of really scary anxiety, like don't know what the future is going to look like, if I dial it back and I say, okay, what I have control over is I can try and get eight hours of sleep every night. I can cook at home with healthy vegetables and like we don't eat dairy or gluten most of the time. So none of that stuff, get off caffeine. Um, and then with exercise, if I can just move every day, I'm going to create a new baseline for myself that just mentally my brain's going to be better able to process everything. And so that's been a big key for me too. Yeah. That made me think of one of uh, a framework that I rely on a lot is asking two questions. One, this thing that I'm stressed about, does it get better or worse with time? Like so many problems that we encounter actually do genuinely get better with time. And so you can look at it and go, okay, that will get better with time. It'll resolve itself. Or it's kind of like, no, no, this gets worse with time. If you don't, if you don't act on this. So it's okay. It, this gets worse with, worse with time. And then you ask, is it something that I have control over? In this current climate, we don't have control over what the federal government does. We don't have control over when a vaccine comes out. We, there's so many things that we don't have control over. And it's helpful to list those things out. And then it's also just as helpful to list out the things. Yes, but this is what I do have control over. I do have control over how I show up for my family every day, how I show up for my coworkers, you know, what I create, uh, how I show up, or in this case, don't show up for my community and, you know, stay home or any of those things. You can start to bucket it into, you know, better or worse with time. And then what do I have control over versus what do I not? And letting go of those things that you don't have control over. And then I think, Kind of the, the last thing on this that I'm thinking is realizing that a lot more of those emotions that you're feeling, probably if you peel mm. back those layers, are grief. I, I think it's under a lot of that. You know, if you're feeling frustration about something not happening or uh, your birthday party not going the way that you thought it would because no one's coming over, you know, or you're, you're actually grieving loss there. And we tend to use grief for something that's really important. But, but you can use grief in the same way for a little moment not turning out the way that you hoped that it would. And so dig under that. It might not be anxiety. It might be grief. It might not be anger. It might be grief. Like try to go mm -hmm. past those. That All right. So to recap, we talked about kind of four stage, stages of how we, we tend to deal with anxiety. We talked about becoming aware of it, just naming it. Uh, second was understanding it. What's it tied to? Where's it coming from? Third is sitting with it, just being with that feeling while it's there, journaling about it, talking to a counselor, coach, or your community. And then fourth was beginning to push through it when you're ready, lowering the bar for what you create, uh, spending time on things that bring you joy, um, focusing on what you have control over. Before we wrap up and move on to, I'm not going to say it yet because you don't get the jingle ahead of time. Um, Keshna, <laughs> Keshna asked a question in the chat. She said, can we talk a little bit more about putting yourself worth in your work and whether that's dangerous, especially if and when you're lowering the bar. So if I can kind of decipher through, you know, what has to be short in a chat, um, I would mm -hmm. say, okay, is it dangerous to put self-worth in your work or in your output? And do you create even more danger by lowering the bar there? 
and I have my first perspective I want to share, and then I want to get your quick thoughts on this too, Nathan, is um, it is dangerous to put your self-worth or to tie your self-worth to your output. And I think as a creator, that's part of the risk you take is you're signing up for that in some ways. Mm-hmm. And the distinguishment I would make is you have control over your output most of the time. When you go through emotional, um, I'll call them episodes or periods of time, it will decrease your ability to have control. But if you uh, tie your self-worth to um, your your output as a creator, I think that's a risk worth ta- taking and you just have to regulate yourself. If you tie your self-worth to the results of the work and the output, I think that can be really dangerous, uh, unhealthily dangerous because you don't have much control over that. You can do a lot to influence it, but you cannot control how someone receives your book or how someone listens to your song or how someone views your designs. Um, And so that's how I would distinguish between it is I think it's, for me, it's a risk worth taking to tie my self-worth to my creative output. And it's it's a form of expression for me, but tying it to the results from that form of expression are really unhealthy for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll touch on the lowering the bar part of it. Um, I think if you were to, if you're used to performing at a really high level, and I think many people in our community are quite used to that and, and very proud of that fact of like, we deliver, we show up, we get the results all that. And then something happens that causes you to stumble. Maybe it was inside your control. Maybe it was completely outside of your control. Clients left, canceled projects, those sort of things. And you continue to say, no, I should be able to perform at this exact same level. Then I think about that of like continuing trying to, I guess, lowering the bar, right? You're trying to jump over something and you're not, you're not hitting it and you know, you're not getting there. And the more you try through pure effort to achieve the same level, the harder and harder and the more tired you're going to get. And so if you realize like, is success truly operating at the level that I was a month ago or six months ago, or is success still now at the level of providing for my family and showing up consistently as a creator and that kind of thing. And in lowering the bar, am I doing that permanently? Or is it something that once I start to hit, I can start to gradually raise and, you know, and see a clear path to getting back to where I am uh, or, you know, or my, my true potential and then achieving it from there. I think of the athletes who, you know, are pushing their limits and then scaling back and they're continuing to train and they're continuing to work just because they're not doing their one rep max doesn't mean that they're not putting in the work and using that to get better over time. Yeah, for sure. I have more there, but I, I think I'm going to leave it at that for now. Okay. Do 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 creator of the day. <laughs> all right. So I already shared Ryan holiday. Definitely go read uh, the obstacles the way follow all of Ryan's stuff. Um, you know what, since I already mentioned that one, I'll share another book. He wrote a book called Conspiracy uh, that's about Peter Thiel, Hulk Hogan, Gawker. Crazy book. Go read it. It's more it. of like an entertaining one. It's a lot of fun. Obstacle is the way for today's topic. And then if you just want to be entertained with a wild story, uh, go read Conspiracy. But in general, follow, follow Ryan's work and uh, he'll introduce you to stoicism. Love it. Uh, my creators of the day, <laughs> I realized in our outline, we actually put our creators of the day in each other's little line, which is hilarious. Anyways, my creators of the day are John and Dana Schultz. Uh, I should actually say Dana and John Schultz, because Dana is kind of the face of the thing of minimalist baker. Um, they make, I'll just call it wholesome recipes. And 
beyond the recipes being delicious, um, they are largely dairy-free, largely gluten-free, largely meat-free, but they do what they want to do. And so there's meat in some, there's gluten in others, and Mm -hmm. they just kind of provide adjustments if you want to be if you want to be a certain type of diet. And so what I love about them is they are one of the best examples of being clear about their creator flywheel. Dana is fantastic at sticking with the recipe until she gets it just right. I mean, I am amazed by the work ethic that goes into getting a finalized recipe that tastes good. She makes the same thing repeatedly just to publish one recipe. And I've always been amazed by that because she knows the quality of the recipes (laughs) is a key in turning the rest of the flywheel for them. Um, so anyways, check them out, minimalistbaker.com and now resource of the day. Yeah. So, uh, I was harassing our team. I, I was providing opportunities for our team <laughs> to improve their productivity, uh, uh, through sharing all of my Mac tips, uh, which you can find on Twitter. But, um, one thing I was doing is people were asking how, how did I make like these little gifts of me putting settings to what I believe are the optimal levels. There's a tool called Gifox. Uh, G-I-F-O-X dot I-O. And uh, it's a little $15 app that lets you make uh, animated GIFs like screen recordings and all of that really, really easily. So I use it for product, uh, product stuff. You know, if I want to show a little interaction, uh, add something to like our public change log of a new feature. It's just way better than doing a video and you avoid the whole hassle of like recording a video and then trying to convert it into a GIF and editing it and everything. It's a simple little tool. For uh, I had this bucks. thought last night. I think a lot about what we put out into the world and making sure that it lands correctly. And on resource of the day and creators of the day, what we're not saying is that every one of you listening should go check out every one of these people and resources. I realized it could be a source of anxiety if you felt like, oh, I got to make a list of all these people and check them out and everything. Um, What we are saying and maybe the way we should frame these things are if you're X kind of person or you're, you have interests like X, you might enjoy Y. And so think of it that way. If you're the kind of person who would be interested in the kinds of things that we share here at the end of the show, then go check it out. And if not, don't, because you shouldn't carry that around. There's no, re- you know, we're just, we're putting it through our own filter and interest. So anyways, permission not to listen to any of these and permission to check the ones out that you love. My resource of the day is Dominion. It's not really a board game. It's a deck building game. Yes. Um, it's a card, card game. It takes a little while yeah. to get into. However, once you're into it, I think you might become obsessed with it. Uh, I should have brought my little carrying case for all my cards because it is maybe the nerdiest thing I own. I have this wooden carrying case with the Dominion logo carved on the top, uh, made by a third party, not by the actual company. And it can, uh, contains all of my expansion packs that I have for Dominion. Anyways, it's a ton of fun, especially with, uh, friends and family. So right now you'd have to play with family or whoever you're quarantining with, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you're into deck building games. Yeah, uh, it's a great game. I thoroughly enjoy it. All right. Barry, you got the thought of the day or do I have the thought of the day? Yeah, I think I have one. There are no bad feelings. Chief among them, anxiety is not a bad feeling. It's not bad for you to feel that. It's a very normal human thing to feel any kind of emotion to get all woo-woo on you. And um, I think the most important thing you can do is embrace that. They're natural. They're just, they're like part of our hardwiring. And they've helped us evolve in a lot of really healthy ways. And if we can acknowledge them, if we can share them, if we can sit with them um, and ultimately learn productive ways to move through them, we actually have a fuller experience of life. You know, the highs and the lows actually make life more joyful in the end, because I think it highlights the contrast of the experiences we're bound to go through. So um, 
All your emotions are normal. And I hope uh, if this spurred something for you that you'll spend some time maybe journaling, sitting with, uh, sitting with your own and um, feeling better because of it. All right. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Thank you.